0: And welcome to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Howard Tybel. Hey, Pete. How are you today? I'm doing very well, sir. I am I am very excited about our conversation today. Uh, before we dig in, however, uh, make sure, if you are listening to this show, you head over to TybalInc.com to learn more about us and subscribe for free. Just click on the blue button on the site, and we will keep you updated every time a new show goes live. Janice Abraham is president and CEO of United Educators, a premier risk management and liability insurance company in education with more than 1,300 schools, colleges, and universities relying on their expertise. And she is a valued thought leader in risk management in our field. We're going to be talking about so much more than that today, and we are thrilled to have Janice with us to pull some of these issues apart. Janice Abraham, welcome to Navigating Change.
1: Thanks so much, Pete. Delighted to be here. So, you know, for me,
2: I was just giving a talk, a couple of talks on the West Coast uh, to both t- to a set of deans and uh, the provost. And one of the things that I was talking about was change management as a discipline, uh, I would say in the last five years, has become more accepted as a as an important thing to focus on. I looked at the group. I said, you know, if you ask your finance people, is financial management important? They would uh, unequivocally say that, yes, we need to focus on financial management. And I can tell you that offering a systematic approach to something, it, it always surprises me to see that there is another layer of understanding that, that I find myself needing to help people walk through, whether it is an approach that they can see that there's a methodology, are you still finding that part of the challenge right now, uh, or it continues to be, is offering up ways for them to look at the issues in a simplified way, but in a way that they can engage their broad constituency?
1: I I think you're spot on, Howard, in that institutions that make the concept of risk management and enterprise risk management too complicated usually fail. And that's what we found in researching the book that was published a couple years ago. It was – There's a process that is remarkably simple uh, and remarkably adaptable to each institution. And the more complications that are layered on it, the more finances tend to drive it, the less successful the process is. Let me briefly just step in and walk through the four processes. Uh, The first, the four steps. The first is institutions need to identify risks and opportunities because change management, risk management deals as much with what are the opportunities that I'm missing as what are the risks that could prevent me from accomplishing my mission my strategic plan, whatever new initiative I have. So it's really an upside and a downside. And what we found is that institutions that put most of their energy in identifying the risks and opportunities were those that had the least opportunity for success. That is, they spent all their capital, all their human capital, all their energy on developing voluminous lists of these things could go wrong at our institution, these things could default us, and this is where the problems develop is they're just – The weight of that. There are some institutions that come up with hundreds and hundreds of possible risks, and that's not really helpful to Mm. the cabinet or the board. So, what we've developed is promulgated a whole list of different risk registers. What are the top risks at a research university, at a community college, at a liberal arts college, at an independent school? And in the good tradition of education, just pick some from that list so we we share almost everything everything but tuition um salary projections financial aid for obvious reasons so let's share our risk registers and and try to see what um others are doing in our in our peer group, and use that as a starting off point. The the second is after you have a list of maybe five or 10 risks and opportunities, then assess um, which have the greatest impact, which are the greatest consequences if they happen, and what's the likelihood that this will happen. So in insurance world, it's the frequency and severity But it's the impact and consequences of these risks. If we don't do anything, what could happen to our institution? By example, demographic shifts could be a top uh, risk for the institution, that our five-state area where we recruit students uh, have peaked on the number of high school graduates and are beginning to decline serious risk that if we don't do something, our applicant pool will drop precipitously. And so that's a relatively immediate impact. The consequences are dire. So I have one of my top risks, and I have then opportunity to move to step three, which is develop and test a mitigation plan. What am I going to do about this? What can I do that uh, would begin to Recognize that my enrollment pool is going to be different in the next five years than it has been for the next last five years.
2: Can I ask you a question about this? Sure. Yeah. This. So. So. You know. I. I've also lived in the world of helping put together, and we've been doing you know, templates and approaches and methodologies that I have found. Re- repeatedly people so appreciate. But don't you find yourself sometimes saying when you think about these approaches and these steps, what would you say is the reason why uh, it's difficult for people to do this themselves? Is it that they're too close to it? Is that that they don't... It's only when you ask these questions uh, that you lay a framework. Here are the five things. Because what everything you're describing to me uh, as you led to developing a test for mitigation. Uh, I could imagine, and I've seen this, seeing you speak, is that people are sitting there and they are frantically writing because this is like, okay, I'm going to take this back to my institution. And there's a, there's a part of me that at times says, why is it that what in some ways is so obvious to us, and I think is common sense, do we find ourselves in situations where... Uh, um, it's almost like this is this is new information that they never would have thought about this, but in fact, when they hear it it's it's so obvious to them that it's important
1: i think you're you're absolutely right this isn't new it's not rocket science it's not um, but it isn't necessarily easy because it mm. is confronting things could happen, or I'm not taking enough risks. It's interesting. I heard Rebecca Chop, the chancellor at the University of Denver, speak recently at a meeting, and she described that the role of a leader is to create a safe space for discussion for discussion, for planning, for sharing of ideas. And so perhaps it's a failure of leadership for institutional leaders, institutional administrators to not be able to come together and have a safe space to say, listen, these are our five greatest risks. What are we going to do about them? And how are we going good. to talk about them? How are we going to share this with our board in a way that gives them confidence that we are addressing these but not frighten them because the board is are usually your largest donors uh, and so how do you create a safe space as an academic leader to think about? the upside and downside of the present and the future. And I think that's really where institutions and true leadership and change management comes about. Creating a a structure identify, assess, develop a plan, monitor and talk about it. And then a place and and a a senior enterprise risk, risk management committee could be that place. Yeah.
2: You know, one of the things that I've been also talking about is this relationship between the academic side of the house and the administrative side of the house. And recently I had uh, Ten deans and uh, another fifteen administrators in a two-hour workshop talking about how are we going to work on and solve some issues together. And I put up a graphic that talked about how we see each other, and often we see each other in an adversarial way. Not always, but there's a relationship between academics and administration that it has a lot to do with language in that we don't speak the same language. And while academics in many ways want to spend more time debating and discussing the idea behind something, administrators are focusing on wanting to get the work done and check off the box, and it's a more of a managerial mindset. While a trustee mindset, as you said before, a corporate mindset is much more about – a top-down approach, and they're often frustrated, as you know, why can't things happen more quickly? So when I think about the nature of your work, uh, to what extent do you find that you're encouraging or needing to bring uh, more of the academic side of the house into the conversation, or is your work really isolated to often being driven from the board, uh, encouraging the president or the CFO, or the general counsel and, and you guys work on this as a group and then you keep the academics informed or do you do the academics need to be involved in this in some ways?
1: Um, Boy, that's a huge um, question. Let me try to unpack that. First, I'll take issue with the board being the top down. Good boards spend most of their time in the future. That's their job. Uh, Where is this institution going? In well, what do we need to do in the future to make sure our mission is achieved? So, I think it's less top down, but more more forward leaning. Can I, um, you know?
2: So, I, I I really appreciate that distinction. When I'm in front of boards or academics and I talk about them in a certain way, what I also – what I'll weave in is this – that I think there's a reality about a perception versus a reality, and I think that you're clarifying something about boards being forward-thinking – uh, versus how they're often seen as wanting to direct leadership. We expect you to do something. So I think it's an important distinguish- th- distinction you're making. But I can tell you when talking to administrators and talking to tr- to academic leaders, there is often a perception that they, they're bringing a corporate or a top-down mindset. And how we help change that perception, that's a whole other topic.
1: Yeah, it it is a whole other topic, but I do think good boards should spend most of their time, just like good leaders in any organization, the majority of their time should be in the future. Yes, there are day-to-day issues, 990s, um, tactical things that need to be addressed. Right. But I, but I, think one of the greatest um, tensions, frustrations um, points that I see in talking with both administrators as well as faculty leadership is a lack of um, academics choose their field as you and I know Howard because they 're passionate about their subject matter expertise their discipline. Right. That's what they want to do. Yep. Um, that's They want to teach. They want to research. Yeah, a little bit of service. But they truly w- are there because they love teaching. They love research. And they're not, by definition, by inclination, by uh, by position, engaged with the external world of the business of education. Because our um, sector are, has this – unusual concept of shared governance Uh, and faculty are there really, in some respects, to slow the process down and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But we need to be respectful of the two different roles. The administration plays a much bigger role in looking at the external world. Yes. Recruiting, um, retaining students, raising money, pressures for um, facilities, that whole arms race of accruing. that are offered to students. So it requires an awful lot of shared discussion. And I think one way that, the enterprise risk management framework can help is by looking at these top risks with whatever enterprise risk committee exists on campus. And Mm. clearly the provost has to be there. Student affairs. uh, So the, the president's cabinet is probably the best place to start with maybe a couple other faculty leaders to lay out. These are our greatest risks. This is what could happen to prevent us from achieving our mission of a great liberal arts college, a community college that has this kind of reach in our uh, region, whatever it is. And so I think it, it opens some doors. It develops a common language. I think it can be a wonderful pathway that without frightening anyone, that we can share experiences and realities. You know, These are the high school demograph. These are the high school graduates. We we pretty much know who they are because they're in ninth grade now and we've got four years and they're going to be on our doorstep or not. And so I think there, it's an opportunity by using that identification of risks and assessing them to engage faculty and talking about some realities um, yeah. that... It's a, it's an opportunity. More administrators should take advantage of it. The board can hold the administration accountable for the risks, but the board should not be engaged in solving all these issues. This is clearly Absolutely. a senior administration challenge.
2: One of the missing pieces for me, Janice, is... I think we choose to tell the brutal facts, what will happen if we don't do something. Uh, insurance has that quality of this is a way to prevent something if something bad happens. And we're often, even on a personal basis, reluctant to look at this. The missing piece for me is is finding a way to have a balanced story because it's it's here's what the brutal facts are and here is our vision for where we want to go. And I often find that leaders choose between having a very positive vision without the brutal facts or a lot of the brutal facts and not a really clear vision. And to me, the, the, the way through this is to have that balanced story.
1: Uh, my experience is faculty respond to thoughtful sharing of information, um, Credibility. I was at a meeting recently and there was some angst over the student-faculty ratio was too low and we wanted to pick apart the numbers. And once it was laid out, this is the numerator, this is the denominator, this is where we're going, this is what our peers have, it became clear that, huh, probably not sustainable. Mm. Huh, let's talk about what that means right. for us and what are the costs. And if we're interested in student learning, is there a difference between 10 to 1 and 15 to one and 20 to one. Let's talk about where we're aiming with our mission. So I have found um, hypothesis, gathering data, sharing, testing ideas, that wonderful T word of transparency, and it helps a lot in advancing uh, these issues. Um, I've seen it work. I've seen it at the leading institutions that have been thinking about and practicing risk management as a change management tool. They are much more resilient. Just they're more resilient to whatever is going to come their way. They may not pick, Howard, their top five risks. They Something could come out of complete outer space that they never even thought of. But when I've seen this, they are just much more resilient in being able to respond because they have trust, a way of talking about and engaging in issues, and a way of tracking issues with data that makes it much more meaningful.
0: I think that's one of the most interesting things, and I, I should say, Janice, I'm coming to this from the perspective of a faculty member, and, and I, I think the idea uh, that academics has a role in risk is a fairly recent phenomenon in my experience, right? It, 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 was, it was not long ago that administration feared bringing topics like this to academics because, you know, not to put kind of a, a gross term on it, but they knew what they were going to get, right, and they were afraid of that level of analysis and 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 processing that kind of goes in but there has been a, a real turn uh, in my experience of of being able to not just say hey look there are risks but to say look we need your help in approaching the risks as they impact our core audience, you in the classroom. And that has been a really powerful transformation. And I think that, you know, transparency not to uh, can't really be understated in this case. We have seen a, a dramatic change at my own institution in the way we approach risk by getting faculty involved at the level that is appropriate to the delivery.
1: Pete, I think you're absolutely right on this. And I, and I think it's, to use a business concept, it's the margin of error. Error is significantly less now than it was really pre-financial crisis. Sure, I mean, I've been in higher educa- in education for decades, and. We've never felt flush. I mean, there are good times, there are bad times. But mm-hmm. it, after 08, I think there was this realization, whether it was liquidity, um, just the markets, the all sorts of things just went topsy-turvy. And that and the demographic shifts have really – I think it's woken up the administration that has in turn awoken the faculty to say, listen, we've got some real issues here and we need to talk about them. So I think less margin of error. Uh, less ability to be resilient without some preparation. And I I think that's a reality at the best resourced institutions and certainly the less resourced institutions. So reality, whether or not it's what's in your uh, 403B or am I going to have the kind of resources I need for professional development, um, it's just, it's so much more real now than it was 10 or 15 years ago.
2: Okay, here's a really important question for Janice. Okay. Ready, ready for this, Pete? I am. Shall I mark the tape? I'm marking mark, the tape. Mark the tape right now. Yeah. Uh, are you having more fun than you did 20 years ago? I, I would say I am. I'm not quite sure why. That's a whole other topic, but I'm curious about the nature of the work. Is it getting more interesting, more fun, or is it pretty much... What, what direction is it going for you?
1: It's more complex than it was because there are more inter uh, codependencies. Um, and complexity and intellectual challenge to me equate to fun. There you go. Um, so I think the answer is yes. I wouldn't say ha ha he he fun. But am I? Are the issues that we are addressing um, trying to balance compliance, financial markets, um, mergers and acquisitions, competitive technology? So it yeah. is much more intellectually interesting yeah. and challenging than it was when I first entered this, which was a pretty. I wouldn't say plain vanilla but it was right, pretty, but pretty straightforward straightforward and there's yeah. nothing straightforward about no. running an educational institution now Howard. And,
2: and and for me I love how you frame that for me what makes it even more compelling and interesting is what it means today, to effectively engage the right people to be in the conversation, to take ownership, starting with an understanding of what they're dealing with, and then to find the means to get the right kind of dialogue happening with the right groups. That, to me, is what I'm most passionate about. And I'll tell you something, there's no lack of need for that to grow, uh, because this is the thing that I think as human beings and as institutions we're not very good at, which is... How do we effectively collaborate, not just cooperate, but effectively collaborate around an idea together to make sure we understand what we're talking about? We have a similar definition of these ideas, and then we can charge forward. And the spectrum of that kind of collaboration is all over the map.
1: I couldn't agree more. But I would add one more to that, and that is engaging the next generation. Mm. I am I am very concerned about the baby boomer and pending retirements, um, and us being less willing to or less able to focus on diversity in all of its um, manifestations uh, for building the next leadership um, cadre. Educational institutions.
2: I agree, and I'll tell you this is a this is a whole separate topic. Part of the challenge I see is that you know I've grown up in the last twenty eight years with a particular view and a particular demographic, and I have to work really hard to try and understand this next generation because there's a danger that those of us who are trying to lead the way for the next generation do not really even appreciate where they're coming from, let alone being the mentors for them to move it forward. I think we need to do a deep amount of listening to see where they are to then understand how to meet them uh, to help them move to the next step.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of, as as an industry, if if education is an industry, that's our greatest risk is that we are not preparing um, not to fill our shoes, but to fill our institutions in leadership for the future and making sure that that transition um, is, I mean, our, our institutions depend on it. The future of the country, the future of the world, without getting too um, lofty on us, um, depends on it. And I don't think we're spending enough time and energy and thought. Thought on that clearly some of the campus the cultural issues that are uh, coming to the forefront on campus these are not new, but we're ill prepared to deal with them at this level, let alone when the um, true transition needs to take place. I worry about that a lot
2: me too let's start a business together on this. I love it. <laughs>
1: Our hands are full. Our hands
2: are full. <laughs> yes, we are. Thank, you know, thank, thank the Lord.
0: Your hands are hey, full or your cup runneth over. I mean, it's a glass I, half full kind either of one. argument. Either right? one. Hey, you know, Jens, you mentioned the uh, the book, Risk Management. Uh, do, I, I would be remiss without you uh, giving you the opportunity to go in a little bit more detail about the the book, An Accountability Guide for University and College Boards. We will certainly put a link to it. And and I wonder, as you talk about it, if you could answer a question. I'm going to bury another question in there. You mm-hmm. mentioned these risk registers by Sectors. It sounds very much like you're creating essentially a standard for approaching, um, you know, risk in institutions, and and I wonder how much you're seeing uh, sort of this standardized language around the approach to risk taking off uh, across institutions, either in in you know partnership with or as a result of the the work of the book.
1: Yes, I am seeing standardization. AGB approached us really after the financial crisis um, and asking us for some help and giving, really creating a common language and a common template. We don't need to have every single educational institutions in this country, school, college, university, creating their own path to enterprise risk, to looking at risk management from a senior level. We tried to do that in the early part of this century. And there are numerous examples of that. Each one of them floundered. And in researching for the AGB book, which was a pure volunteer effort, I have to say, received no financial remuneration from writing the book, from selling the book. This was a pure, unadulterated labor of love um, on a subject that I... I am passionate about. So it was, we don't need to spend time on the process, although education is wonderful at making very complex processes even more complex. My goal was to try to break it down, make it, and say, listen, this is a roadmap It's a roadmap that has been tried and tested. Um, I tried to improve upon that roadmap and and make it less complicated so they could spend more time on planning to confront the risks rather than identifying the risks, assessing the risks. What you need to do is create, in Rebecca Chop's words, a place to sit down, talk about these issues, learn from your peers, and put... 80% of your energy on developing how this school, this university would respond to these risks and reduce these risks, not eliminate them, but reduce them. Howard, you and I have been around forever on serving educational institutions, and everyone thinks they're so unique. The reality Mm -hmm. is we are much more similar than we are different. And yes, we have differences and uniquenesses, and we share that with our incoming students and our faculty. It's what makes American education great. But at this level, on these strategic issues, there are an awful lot of similarities and it's the response where we should get creative. The risk management plan where we should get creative, not in the process in the identification or assessment of the risk. That's
0: excellent. I think we could probably go on for another hour, don't you, Pete? I do. I I do. I think Janice is just getting rolling. This has been a great conversation. Uh, Janice, thank you so much for joining us and and sharing your expertise. Where would you like to point people to learn more about you and your work?
1: Well, I think UE.org is a good place and risk solutions just written like it 's spelled dot EdU risk solutions dot org and the book is avail- available through AGb um, if you 're a member or not if you go to the AGB, AGB.org agb dot org website um, the book can be purchased from them so any of those would be terrific and Go to any of those and love to connect. Thank you so much,
0: Janice Abraham. We sure appreciate your time. Howard, thank you for your time as well, sir. It's always good to connect. Always good, Pete. On behalf of Howard Tybel and Janice Abraham, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and we will catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybel Inc.